This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And we have a goal, and that is to provide our listeners with some really good information, the real facts, and the real stats about our local market. Um, and today, we have the privilege of having a Clovis City Councilman here with us today, and that is Vong Muanatoa. Tua. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I messed up. Muanatoa. Muanatoa. That's correct. <laughs> but there's a lot more silent vowels in there y- yes th- yeah we, we were supposed to go to france it was written with french phonetics and so that's why because the people who came later just spelled mua which which you know americans would get pretty easily yeah so, but we yeah. were going to go to france so they had that french influence in there interesting yeah all right so and, and you're from the laos. laos that's right okay and for some people that you know don't know maps real well <clears throat> bobby um, that is <laughs> south of China, south of China, between Thailand and Vietnam, and so mm-hmm. we, yeah, it it was, you know, everybody knows Vietnam from the Vietnam War, and mm-hmm. Laos was right next door, and so you know the relationship between America and Laos was because of the Vietnam War, so yeah, mm-hmm. and, and um, a lot of a lot of Laotian people, uh, a lot of uh, from the Hmong culture have yes. come here. And they've picked Central California as one of the big spots. Why, why is that? I think because of the ag background that we were very strong in. Because, you know, back, back in Laos, a lot of us were just farmers. I mean, you started to get families who slowly were educated and moved to the capital, Vientiane, to work in actually some of the trades and businesses. Like my father actually worked in the courts in Vientiane. But most people were just in the hills uh, farming. Mm-hmm. That's much like um, the the Italian culture, but more specifically the Southern Italian culture. Mm-hmm. If you are here in the Central Valley and you talk to somebody that has an Italian name, I'm going to say there's a 50% chance. If you say, hey, are you Muscatan? They're going to say, yes, they are. Now, Mesquite is this little town in southern Italy that's probably 5,000 people. I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. big at all. Um, But yet, because of agricultural reasons, the climate is very similar to that region of southern Italy. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is where our families came. Yeah, I I mean, we are also very still clan-based. So if someone settled here first, the rest of us will follow, meaning, you know, that's where everybody is. That's where we're going to go. And if one of the Scordinos was here first, all the Scordinos around America would come. I mean, you would listen to the stories of how everybody found each other. Some went to Indiana, to Pennsylvania, Texas. But right when they got there, they were calling each other, and everybody was migrating here to California. Mm-hmm. Really Southern California first, but, you know, without a lot of, skills everybody found that farming was much better and the cost of living here was much cheaper so in the late 70s everybody started coming up here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interesting now you are um, a city councilman with clovis how does the clovis government work um, it, it's different than fresno 
Yes. Uh, we are a soft mayor, uh, sort of a mayor, city council, sort of joint management. We only oversee the city manager, and he oversees the entire staff or, or running the city. We, uh, there are five of us on the city council, and uh, we are all elected at large, and then we work in conjunction with the city manager to oversee the city. So we mm-hmm. usually set policy. We don't get into the nitty-gritty of department heads and what they should be doing. How often does your city council meet? We meet the first Monday night of the first three Monday nights of the, each month, and then the fourth Monday, if the agenda is too much, we'll push into the fourth um, on an as needed basis. Yes, and so pretty much three times a month. All right. Just as a local citizen, I'm going to make a little bit of a uh, observation here. It seems like, and th- this even goes before you, mm-hmm. um, the Clovis City Council always seems to get along with one another. You don't see the infighting and all that that some other cities see. Yeah. You know, in in my five years on the council, I think it, that has been a blessing. That, for one, we respect the leaders who came before us and what they have established, and and two, you know, everyone serves for the betterment of the city of Clovis, and you you hardly ever hear any of the council member, my peers, just pushing a, a personal agenda. And not only that, once it's done, it's done. It's time to move on to whatever comes back on the agenda. You don't see people holding grudges where, hey, you you voted against me on this one. Next time I'm going against you regardless of whatever it is. And so you don't hear much of that at all. It's always about what the actual item is and how how it best serves the city as a whole. That's good. And um, I've served on many committees Mm -hmm. through the realtor organization and I've experienced both types of commit, uh, mm. both types where some, you know, they hold a grudge yeah. and I'm not voting yes for you because you voted against yeah. me. But then I've been on others where it's like, let's just get it done. Yeah. And one of the best ways to let's just get it done, not hold agendas is, yeah, you know what? Once something's done, move on. Yeah. You know, we, we, we forget sometimes, Don, that we, we don't serve ourselves. We serve the city. And when we serve ourselves, the city loses because it's my agenda, my ego, my pride. But, you know, every time you drive, especially right there in Hernan 168, and you look and you can see the entire city, it has to humble you that those 120,000 lives depend upon the decisions that we make. And so we can't take that lightly. We have to be very serious about and very uh, uh, intentional about seeing what is best for all those lives. We forget that many, many times. And even the staff, you know, I'm one to keep reminding the staff, you also serve this 120,000. Our heads are the ones that roll if we mess up. But you have to remember that. And when you do that, and I, and I you know, pride myself or we pride ourselves in saying the staff still has that overall in, in, their, in their nature. And hopefully we maintain that even as we, we expand and grow. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and I like that about your, how you put that out there, that you're serving 120,000 families mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or people. Uh, that's something that I've brought up at our association. We have 4,000-plus members, and I always say that when we're making our decisions, 
we have to remember member number 2,453. You know, I just picked a random number, but so we're not serving the top 100 or we're not yeah. serving ourselves or our company. It's everybody. Every, that's right. And you make good, you can make much better decisions that way. Yes. Yes. And, and, and that's the role I, I've always believed of government. That we are, we are sort of that safe place in which the citizens can come and go, I agree, I disagree, but a safe place to voice those. So then we can actually take that in and go, I, I like what they said or I disagree. And to be able to explain yourself and to go, this is why I'm voting a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, um, I know in the city of Fresno, they, uh, there are seven distinct districts. Mm-hmm. Do we have distinct districts in the city council of Clovis? No, we, we have one district in just the entire city. And, and I think we, we, that has served Clovis well. Because there's not one citizen and one group that you cannot listen to because they're not in your district. So, for example, if we're going to do something and let's say the rodeo folks come out, you pay attention, even if it's all the way in Clovis East area or Harlan Ranch or if Old Town comes together. I think that goes back to we all are better if every part and every issue of the city is improved. So, in other words, we can't just make trails in the new areas. We have to think about how do we make trails in Southwest where it was already built out? And and because of thinking like that, that's why, you know, I'm sharing with you, we made an agreement with FID to go, hey, you have canal banks. Let us take on that role, maintain it and build, use those canals to connect those trails to all the other trails within the city. So we we're always thinking about where do we need to go and to do best. Yeah. I love uh, walking the Dry Creek Trail mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, going along that canal yes. or, or ditch. Creek. Creek. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do anything about getting some water in there? <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we don't yeah. control the water. <laughs> we'll sure, have to pray about that one. <laughs> yeah, sure looks a lot better when there's water That's flowing right. through there. Yeah. Um, all right, I have some interesting stats for you that Go I ahead. pulled from our Fresno Multiple Listing Service. Now... First of all, I want everybody to know Vong is smiling anyway, but you're going to smile even bigger when I tell you this stat. So how many foreclosures do you think happened for the first 75 days of this year in the city of Clovis where a foreclosure was sold? Oh, hopefully less than 10. Well, quite a few less than 10. Really? Two. That's it. Oh. So, yeah, I do feel good. Yeah. <laughs> and he's smiling, too. So um, for all these people that say, oh, I heard a foreclosure crash is coming, and, it, you know, um, well, can't predict the future, but I know right now for the past 75 days, there's been two in the city of Clovis. Well, that's uh, excellent stat. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, I want to do some fun facts now and compare Fresno to Clovis. Um, <laughs> Don't get me in trouble with my neighbors now. <laughs> well, and, and just so you know, I lived in Fresno all my life. Until three years ago, my wife fell in love with this beautiful home in Clovis. Oh, excellent choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was an excellent choice to follow my wife. because <laughs> she, she was going to buy that no matter what. Um, but anyway, I had a hard time leaving Fresno. Uh, but here, here's some stats for you, so I can give it to you both ways. Okay. And by the way, yes, I love being in Clovis, too. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, you pick up that phone, you call any of our departments, we're there, regardless of the issue. And so that's sort of our philosophy. You will notice that difference immediately from Fresno to here. I mean, you can call about your neighbor's tree reaching over, you're not happy, and we'll show up, and we'll try to help resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. So we, we have a uh, strong philosophy of being there, resolving it before it gets too big. All right. <clears throat> I like that. So um, let's start off. Now, remember, I ran these stats this week, um, and I, so I, I just did January 1st through March 15th. So okay. First 75, 76 days of the month. In the city of Clovis, the median sale price is $497,000 compared to, in the city of Fresno, $370,000. That is a stark difference. But when you dive into it, and I give you the rest of these mm-hmm. fun facts, we're going to see why. Okay. So And... Basically, it boils down to Clovis is a, a newer city. So the average age of the homes in Fresno was uh, that they were mm-hmm. built in 1976 and in Clovis, 1996. So the average home in Clovis is 20 years newer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's probably because you don't have a lot of the two-bedroom, one-bath homes built in yeah. 1920. In fact, I even have that as far as the size of a home. The average size in Clovis is 2,155 square feet, and in Fresno, 1,754. So what's that? 401 square feet smaller in in mm-hmm. Fresno. So that is a big reason for that big difference in price. I guess if you have a newer car and a bigger car Mm -hmm. it's going to sell for more than the smaller older one yeah same with a home so um and i bring all that up because as we go on in this show uh vong also served on the planning commission for the city of clovis Mm -hmm. so we're going to see as we go through this show how we got there how um how did all this new building occur and lots of building going on in Clovis. Yes. Uh, unless you talk to the state of California who says, hey, hey, not you guys enough. need to build more. Yeah. <laughs> it's still not enough. So. Uh, yeah. So I, I want to figure that one out. But with that, we are going to our first commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us today, we have Clovis City Councilman Vong Moanatua. Yes. <laughs> I said it right without, I know. without hesitating. Okay. Yeah, great job. I hope I can maintain that through the rest of the show. You get it once, you get it forever now. <laughs> ah, right. Um, it's actually pretty easy. It's like people see my name and they start to yeah. panic. Yeah. And it's like, hey, come on. We took all the extra vowels out. <laughs> we made it easy for you. <laughs> That's <Just> right. Ordino. <laughs> um, in the first segment, we started to talk about um, the planning commission. And give us a little history on yourself and the Clovis City Planning Commission. How long did yeah. you serve? 
Yeah, I served over 10 years on the Planning Commission. I was appointed by Mayor Nathan Magsig at that time. And, um, you know, so much of land use is what a city is and how you plan for it, how it grows. I mean, I never saw a master plan before, specific plan, all the different applications that come forward, a CUP to a, a variance to a general plan amendment, and being able to learn the processes and what applicants, citizens, to developers, to some business owner, what they want to do in the city and how it moves planning commission. Well, you know, s- sort of a staff review, planning commission, and potentially, depending on the item, going to the city council and learning how the city will grow through its general plan and to fulfill it or if someone wants to change it, what those processes are. So served on there, um, like I said, over 10 years. The last uh, six years, I was the chair of the planning commission, and so got to learn a lot just about the actual public process itself, managing a meeting, how to get through an agenda, how to, how to navigate tough issues, having citizens who don't understand what a city is doing, getting applicants, citizens, and getting them to sort of a finish line. Because I'm a firm believer that the the better and sooner you also get to the finish line, the better everything is as well. You know, the, the, it helps everyone involved, the city mm-hmm. to the applicant to the people who want, you know, the issues resolved. Now, what got you involved with the Planning Commission? What, what made you say, I want to do that and take on that headache? You know, I... I I've always grown with giving back. You know, my that's that's sort sort of something my parents always instilled in us. You know, growing up in the church, you're always serving there, and then, you know, America gave me so much. As in my education, I owe to America. You know, the the job you have, to the people you meet, it's all because of, of that's here. And even even the luxuries of a home, a car, having street lights to hot water. And you go, you know, that someone gave in order for that to come about. And as you are blessed, you you have to give back. You have to serve and to to serve, you know, with with a gracious and even competent heart. So that way you can really do well for that next generation. Because if we don't, you know, what does the next generation have? If good people, and I'm saying I'm not, I'm not saying I'm good, but I try my best to be good. Good people need to serve so that way even better people can step on our shoulders to mm-hmm. continue. Mm-hmm. Excellent. What, um, what type of schooling did you have that would help with this process? I, you know, service, I would never put into schooling, but more of a heart. Okay. <laughs> I, I think character counts a lot in service. Um, and planning commission, because we were still private, you didn't get that much of a, uh, a tax because, you know, you're just, you're just a citizen appointed, and so you're not getting elected. But once being elected, you really have to learn. I learned in the five years that if you learn to shut your mouth and open your ears, you make better decisions. And, you, and if you don't like listening to yourself too much, you also make better decisions because, you know, sometimes many of us in our positions think, yeah, we know better. This is the decision for COVID. This is a decision for how we grow. This is a decision for, for how you should build. And if we sat back and go, you're the experts. You know real estate better than I do. You know how to run a business better than I do. Tell me what would be best for our city. 
and allow different voices to come in. And I think that's, you know, that's when you make the best decisions. I mean, I just went to public schools, you know. I, I was fortunate enough to go to UCLA and then came up here for the law school here and stayed up here ever since 96. And that's when I moved up here to mm-hmm. Clovis, yeah. But it sounds like you graduated from the University of Listening to others. I, I, <laughs> I, I found that the leaders I like most are those that do exactly that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. By the way, when you, uh, you kind of described realtors also because we don't really need to have an education but we sure need to be good listeners to do our job and to serve others and without the heart you're not a you won't be a good realtor that's right that's right um okay earlier you mentioned cup general plan (laughs) can you give our listeners a brief description of what some of these terms are and how they fit into the process of taking a piece of bare land piece of Mm -hmm. dirt and putting structures on there okay well before first of all you have to know that the city has a limit the boundaries what a city is and then from that city you work with the county to what is called a sphere meaning sort of a buffer zone in which the city potentially can grow into and that's an agreement between the county and us from there those areas that are in a sphere of influence or a buffer zone they can then choose to be annexed or, you know, I want to come into belong to the city of Clovis. When Once they come in, we usually, cities usually have a general plan in that they look at their sphere, they look at the areas of growth, and they plan for it. And this takes the work in a city of Clovis. You have a citizens group plus our planners plus a consultant to go. If the city is going to build out, where does water go? How do we run sewer there? How about, you know, streets? Now, what will we put there? Is it multifamily, high-density homes to low-density homes to medium-density? Where are the commercial centers? And what about, you know, public facilities? Will we have fire stations there, uh, parks? And you plan all this out, and it gets on a map, and it gets in this book. And then you as an investor can look and go, I like how that's planned, and I'm going to go build and if you do something that's already in the plan, pretty much you just go with it. A lot of it gets needs to be rezoned in that because it was always a bare piece of land. It must have been farmland, ag. You need to change it to what the, the plan says it is. So you may need to rezone it, okay, to a multifamily uh, zone. And now you can build your multifamily unit. And But if it's already zoned, then you just go ahead and put the plans on. Now, if you want to stray from the plan, you might have to do a general plan amendment. And then what you're saying is, you know, the general plan said this, but I think this is much better. And, and, and the law allows you to do that, to come in and to try to convince the citizens and the council and the planning commission to go, this is why it's good for the city. And we hear about four cycles a year of plan amendments. You also have uh, conditional use permits or CUPs in which cities set certain developments need to get a use permit and it runs with the land. So for example, a liquor store. You say you want to put a liquor store here in this commercial. Well, because it is a certain type of use, we want to make sure that it's not oversaturated. We want to make sure you're doing it well and it, it, it's something that you know fits the certain criteria for that application. So you have those as well. And then we have a small... Um, uh, application called a variance. Let's just say, 
hey, a cul-de-sac has to be a certain feet. But you're saying, you know, because it's a quirky little one, I have to cut in about two feet. And so since it's a small little change, you just ask for a variance. Like, oh, the setback on the side, you said five feet, but I can't do it with the many homes. I need it at least only four feet, like a little variance only. You come in with that application so that way you don't pay a whole fee for something else. Does that does that go through the planning commission and then have to be approved by city council? Depending or? on the application, most CUPs and general plan amendments come back up to us. And But a lot of it now, the state has made it where it only goes to planning commission and even more and more are just staying at the staff level, an administrative process in which as long as you abide by the zoning and doing it accordingly, you can just move forward with it, which which I think is helpful, okay? Does the public lose some insight and ability to, to have a say-so? Yes, but it was already said so, meaning planned for in a general plan, so it's not like they're straying from what, what's there. So let's take a subdivision that is being built right now, mm-hmm. it, and I'll just say it's, 50, it's 100 units, yeah. it's 50% built out, how long ago did the process probably start from, is it one year or is it five years where it was bare land and it goes through the whole process to get to where you're, you're actually building homes? Well, we'll exclude what, what the applicant has to do before they come before the city. So we'll only talk about when it gets to the city because you're going to have to do your engineering, do all that kind of stuff. Once that is all done, meaning you have plans, you take it in, and then you, you, you have your track maps ready, you pretty much just set an appointment. They review. We have a review first. The Clovis reviews those plans as an entire committee in that you will have fire, police, parks and rec, uh, public utilities. Everybody's in the room with you as an applicant. So that way you know up front in one or two meetings what the potential hurdles are. So that way you can go and make those changes. Once you pass that, you can potentially challenge something in which one of the department heads bring to you. Go, nah, I ain't doing that. I'll let the council decide. And that that's also fair game. But at least you know straight up front, here are some of my hurdles. Here are the requirements. Then you set, depending on the application, it goes to planning commission, and sometimes it's done. If you ever lose in the planning commission, you can always appeal anything to the city council. Okay, but many some of many applications now just stay in the planning commission, and then after that it goes to the city council. From the plan check to when you go to uh, planning commission, it's sort of a month, maybe two, at the most, and then f- usually a month after planning commission it goes to the council. And so you figure if you have all your ducks lined up in a row, six to eight months, you you can put a shovel on the ground. Okay, and, and that's if it, everything works out. Now, now, it's never all that, but if, but if it is, we, we have we try to get you going as soon as quick as possible. I have to say, I'm actually surprised by your answer. I never thought the word months would be in this conversation. <laughs> I thought it would be years. But <laughs> I, I'm talking about you already have all your plans right. done, so that that may take years. Yeah. So yeah. So and the so, government part of it, it is really yeah, in and months. Yeah, maybe a year. And then once you get your approval, I think you can extend having to build up to five times. 
All right. Yeah, like a train. Well, thank you for your answer. And mm-hmm. we do have to go to another commercial sure. break, but do stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio because we're going to find out more about the city of Clovis. Thank you. If I could just come in, I swear I'll leave. Won't take nothing but a memory from the house that Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're here with Clovis City Councilman Vong Wanatua. And uh, we've been talking about the city of Clovis, the home building that's going on there. And like our intro music talks about how special a home is. And I think that's something that the city of Clovis prides themselves in, really giving their citizens the opportunity to build nice homes, but also home is their community too. Yeah. Um, Donna, I, I, you know, you mentioned about the sort of the newer city and a a newer home, but it's also a lot of younger people moving in because the attraction is the schools, you know, young families want to go to where they feel like, you know, the children can have a good education. And I think Mm -hmm. we work in very close partnership with the school district because we have quarterly meetings in which we, we're sharing our plans, sharing, telling them where we're growing so that way they know how to plan with us moving forward. And I always say they come for the schools where they stay because of the city because we protect them, we give them trails, we, we give them you know, good service. And so it's, that is how you keep citizens and good citizens in, in, in your city. So. Mm-hmm. And you guys have come up with, I think it's called the village concept. Yes. Tell us about that, a village concept. It, it's sort of a master plan community. And so we had Harlan Ranch, which was sort of the first one, won, won national awards. And the village concept takes in, you want a variety uh, housing type, meaning large homes, medium homes, small homes. You also want to plan out parks and trails. And then you also want to plan, plan out a commercial center. So that way, pretty much everybody gets to know each other. But you're also, I don't want to say self-sustaining, but your community stays there because there's a commercial center, there's parks and trails, and everybody gets to know each other in that sense. And then, then we moved to Loma Vista, which is the southeast. And so that was built on a, that one was a very trail-centric community where every block, the square block, all the corners have trails leading into a center block with a center of that block where there's a park inside. And each of those blocks connect to each other. So you can walk all the neighborhoods of uh, Southeast pretty easily and be feel very safe because it's very wide. It used to be 50 foot wide trails. Okay. Then we lowered it to 30 because, you know, it was taking too much land, but it's still, you know, at least a 10-foot sidewalk, and so you're walking into the community. Then now we are uh, moving into the northwest, which is called Heritage Grove, that village up there, which takes north of Shepherd, south of Copper, between Willow and I would say Clovis Avenue, Sunnyside Avenue, that that big square block of development moving forward, and that has already been planned out. So you can see, oh, there are the parks. Here's the commercial centers. Here's the school and so it, it, it's laid out pretty clearly, so there's very few surprises on what's coming. I'm really surprised at how fast Heritage Grove is building. I mean, it's, it was just 
what, two, three, four years ago when it was trees. Uh, it, it's, uh, I mean, the plans were approved a while back. Pe- people always say, you're, you're growing too fast. Why are you developing so fast? And my answer is always, no, we're fulfilling a plan in which you, as the citizens, agreed upon. So we're not building fast. We haven't even fulfilled, you know, 20% of, of Northwest. We only got to about 70% of uh, Loma Vista. And so there's still 30% left to grow there. And so it's not that we're growing too fast. We're just fulfilling the plans that we all voted for in the general plan. And I know we're not building too fast because there's not enough homes for people. No. The um, state is still seeing, the entire state is still so far behind in that. So I have a question for you. Um, building historically has always been local. The, the city decided and planning commission and, commission and the city council would decide, okay, we're going to uh, let this developer build this mm-hmm. th- these mm-hmm. units. But it seems like the state of California is becoming increasingly active in those decisions. Y- yes, that, uh, that, that. You know, that it, it is becoming like that in every jurisdiction. And we're, we're a firm believer in local control in that many times the decisions made may fit a San Francisco and L.A., but it doesn't fit here in the Central Valley. I mean, even something in Fresno may not even fit in Clovis, and Clovis may not fit into Fresno, so that's why there's there's some distinction. Um when the state started to see that there's a housing sh- shortage, they started to allocate, which was called sort of a regional housing needs assessment. We call it Brina. And so what it did was it looked at the total need of the homes in California, and then it divvied up those numbers to all the jurisdictions. And so, for example, this last round we had about 7,000 units to build, and it's it's good five years for each of the cycles and 2023 will be the next cycle which we are expecting that to go to almost 10,000 homes that we have to build and they break those homes up into very low income low income uh, medium and then high income so in other words you have to build a certain number of homes per those um, affordabilities of the different income levels and so as you know, cities don't build the community. Developers and or, you know, residents, they come and they build. And we may zone things ready for it, but it's just what does the market bear? And because um, they, this many neighborhoods, you've always heard of not in my backyard, the nimbyism, the state kind of took that away and said, okay, and if you build multifamily and like SB9, if you want to do four units per that one parcel, uh, you can do it now. And it's by right. And what by right means is as long as you meet sort of the standards, of the building codes, all that, there's no public hearing and there's no appeal to the council. You just do it. And so if you build, for example, in Clovis, we have certain uh, parcels carved out. Well, you can build 35 units per acre by right. And so if you want, you can just do it. And we pretty much have no say other than, yeah, it better be sound. It better have this type of architecture. Mm-hmm. But the public has no say in it. And so it's taken that away. And not only that, with SB9, they are CEQA exempt. 
And, and so what does takes, that mean? CEQA is the environmental protections of any development. So, for example, uh, they can challenge saying, okay, there's, there's traffic issues. It's going to have a blight issue. It's going to have an air quality issue, a noise issue. And so it, it's allowed people to challenge certain developments. But now, even if you do, it, it is exempt from it. And local jurisdictions like ours, we, we sort of say, well, we had a general plan. We only plan, let's just say, like you said earlier, 100-unit development. That 100 units can go to 400 if they wanted to because it can go four per parcel. But we always said, well, we only studied sewer for four, 100 units. We only studied water for 100 units. And now how can it handle, the infrastructure handle 400? And said, so, well, the, don't think about it. It's okay. They can do it. And then they leave that burden up to us, you see? Yeah. And it makes it quite difficult if it starts to really take off. So is this part of Senate Bill 9? It is. Okay. It is. So, yeah. And, and that one I, I don't quite get because if you build a sewer line, I mean, there's only so much <clears throat> capacity yes. there. Yes. Um, and And to just administratively say you can quadruple that. Yeah even though you still have the same sewer line, but you can put four times more in there, it just doesn't make yeah. sense. And, and they and they can do that. The, the, the hard pill to swallow is buy right mm -hmm. without you and I being able to say anything. All right, now here's a good question. So there's all these rights that people have. So somebody can take their single family residence and uh, their... Uh, 6,000 square foot lot mm -hmm. and somehow jigsaw puzzle into where they get a total of four units. Yeah. It's, I don't see that happening much. Is it? Um, it hasn't happened yet because it, it doesn't make, um, it, for one, I don't know if it'll sell, right? Because people who invest want to make sure, you know, do I want to live that close? Accessory ADUs, accessory dwelling units, are picking up a lot more where you can put an extra unit, as long as your lot has the size, an extra unit in the back, and it has to be smaller than the front. But that that seems to be taken off a little bit more. So, you know, that depends on lot size. But we have not seen where there's an actual lot split to four yet. Maybe it'll come with more like a fourplex type, more so than four individual. Okay. With that, we do have to go to our next commercial break. But when we get back, I want to ask you, why Clovis? So stay tuned. I'm proud of the house we built. It's stronger than sticks, stones, and steel. It's not a big place sitting up well, Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here with us today in the studio is Vong Buonatua of uh, Clovis City Council. Uh, I think I did still say that right. That mm -hmm. would be three times in a row. <laughs> and um, the question I have for you, why would somebody want to live in Clovis, California? What What is the draw, the attraction? Um, and I know that there's a lot of people who do because it's a fast-growing community. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful gem in the valley here. You know, you always say it's, it's a way of life. And, um, you know, that way of life really is just the way that people are. Um, 
many people come, like I said earlier, for the schools, but they stay because of the city. We're the safest city in the valley. Safety is the key. It is the key that attracts businesses. It is the key in which the way we plan our city, because we have excellent parks and trails, but if it's not safe, you're not walking your kid or your dog on those trails. You're not going to the store. Businesses aren't coming in. So we pride ourselves in keeping everyone safe and feeling safe and being engaged with our community. And so that that is, I think, the primary reason. And people notice it like I um, uh, spoke to you off air. If you call, we'll, we'll be there. You yeah. have an officer at your door, and they will respond, and then we will direct you to wherever it needs to go. You will even call public utilities, and they'll come back out and pick up something, and they'll, they'll, we try to be sort of like a small-town um, service. Um, we, we also try to be very responsive. So to the business sector, we like to work with them. Like, for example, during COVID, it wasn't just a strict, you know, here, shut down, don't do anything. No. How do we work together? How do we get you through this? And we, we, have, we were projecting – you know, over $12 million in, in lost revenues. But in the end, we ended up in the black, okay, because we work with the residents and, and we try to treat people like adults. Another, I've always seen city government like this, Don. Our job is to keep the streets paved, the lights on, sidewalks nice. Everywhere. If we do that, you as a homeowner, you go, I better mow my lawn. That street's yeah. clean. And what happens? I better paint my house. One guy does that, everyone does it because the street is clean. The lights are on. But if we don't, then you will go, why mow my lawn when there's potholes and the lights not even on? Why paint my house? Why keep my cars nice? Why park here and there? And so that's why I said you, meaning us, the city, have to hold that standard high. We can't let any neighborhood slip. And that's our job. We pick up the trash when we say we're going to pick up the trash. We come out and help you when we say we're going to come help you. That When you turn on the speaker, the water's going to come out. It's going to be clean. And it's going to be up to the standards that we set. And if we keep doing that, that standard, I will call it a high standard, but that standard attracts people of every color into the city. That's why you will not find a pocket of, there's the Hmong community there. There's the black community there. Or black community. No. We're everywhere. You build, we all come. And we come to every new development equally or as, as what you can afford. Yeah, and it makes an attraction. And so you have a very, so then you have a diverse group of people who like that. And that's special about Clovis. So what I'm hearing you say is that pride is contagious. It, it so, sure is. And if, if the city can set the example, and then the citizens are going to follow suit and, yeah. say, and have pride in their home, their property, whether they're renting or they're buying. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I speak, you know, like as a minority, before I come in, the, you know, minorities go, why go there? You know, it's too white or they won't like. But you speak to the minorities who live in clothes, we don't feel it. We love it here. Yeah. We, we love that everyone supports uh, my children. We all value the same things. We all want to go to the store and, not have to worry, you know, look, checking around, all that kind of stuff. The businesses feel like it's great. People come, they feel safe. Yeah, we, we, we want to continue that. And so that, that's why I would say why Clovis. On the business side, we want the staff to always respond and be responsive to those who come and use the services. Whether you're paying a bill, you're putting an application in to build, 
you know, multi-story, multi-family uh, residential unit. We want that to be one where which you know where your application is, where it's going, how long it's going to be. So that way you can plan. Because for you, time is money. You see? And so we, we can't be that the factor why per- you lose. I have a personal story on that. So okay. I had a client buying some land in Clovis, mm-hmm. and wh- he wanted to know if he could. Uh, it was in an industrial area over by Gettysburg and Clovis, mm-hmm. and he wanted to know if he could do a certain thing with it, and that was going to decide for him if he goes through with the escrow. Yeah. So, and as the agent, I'm thinking, oh, brother, this is going to take a <laughs> long time, but I needed to get him down there to, the, to City Hall to find out, and I'm pretty much writing off the whole day. Mm-hmm. We were in and out of there in a half hour with a yes. Yeah. And that's how it should be. That's what government should be. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I would hope that we, as your electeds, will always be listening and be responsive. Um, and if we do that, people have a trust in what government should be and what government, you know, what their role is in, in the city. And so we, like you said about the pride, we can never lower that. Because if you do, people will meet it. If you do, people will meet it again. But if you keep it high, people will also meet that high expectation. Now, I know I'm just one person, but I'm going to tell you, when I think of Clovis, I think of clean. Yes. It, it is a clean yes. city. The, if you ever walk in the morning, you see people walking with a trash bag picking up trash. And I stop with my area and I go, why are you doing that? I don't want to see it. I said, I know, but we pay people to, no, it's my trail. Mm-hmm. I want my trail to be clean. And that's good to hear because it, now they own it along with the rest of the citizens. So I've always heard the crown jewel of Clovis is Old Town Clovis. Yes. How, how does that stay so nice? You, you know, it didn't used to be, right? You, I mean, you, you can't even say Clovis used to be a place you didn't want to buy. It used to be Fresno, and we worked hard. You have to be intentional to create and to reinvest and to plan for your civic center, your old town, your heart. And when, when the leaders before us did that, look what it became today. We started investing. We started looking. We started to to see how we can beautify Old Town, so that way it becomes a jewel, and, and a and a you know a, a center place where everybody can identify that that's that's Clovis. And we did that. It took a long time, but it took a lot of investing. And I I, I go back to I'm glad we didn't have districts because then we all valued Old Town. We all wanted to make decisions to better and beautify that area. So one of the nice things in, in Fresno is that you can call your city councilman in your district and say, hey, the, my tree out on the city strip is dying. Mm-hmm. Can we get it replaced? That city councilman will respond. So what I'm hearing in Clovis, since there are no districts, uh, one neighbor might call you and another neighbor might call your, your, com- your cohort. Yeah but it's still going to get taken care of. I it, take it, it will. It will. And I know that because I drive around both cities quite a bit. And like I say, I think a Clovis is clean. Yeah. And, and that's not a dig at Fresno because Fresno is, for the most part, clean also. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's doing the best they can. But um, 
it's it's a good community atmosphere yeah. and that community or that feeling of community i think helps make make it where the citizens clean up also and uh, look out for one another. That's why it's safe. In fact, when you were talking about it safe, you didn't really mention the police. I, I, I mean, I know that's a big reason for it being yeah. safe, but you talked about the community and the master planning, how, yeah. how it, you know, the trails come into the community. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I got to give it to Clovis. You guys are doing good. Well, thank you. You know, sometimes when it's good, it's harder to maintain than it is to change. And so we're working hard to just maintain because it's something great there. It is a jewel, and we want to keep that. Quick story, kind of funny, yeah. for, about Clovis and Fresno. My dad, who remembers everything, supposedly. Now, he's passed away now, but he, he's going back, like, into the early 1950s. He goes, oh, yeah, Clovis and Fresno were at odds over something. He goes, they practically had to call the National Guard out. <laughs> <laughs> You know, now I think back, it's like, come on, I think he was pulling my leg. (laughs) I hope. Uh, Vong, I would like to thank you very much for coming in today and sharing your expertise and your knowledge with us. And I'm sure that our listeners enjoyed it very much. I know I did. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. And we'll be back again next week. You guys take care and have a great day.